everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the RIP podcast, episode number 13 at this point. And uh, collectively, we'd like to wish you a very, very happy Easter, whether you decide to eat numerous amounts of chocolate or pray to Jesus, whatever background you come from. We hope you have an incredible, incredible four days. But if you want to listen to something in the meantime, we've got just the thing for you. So this week on the show, we are going to be talking about brand new releases from Devin Townsend, Drowned God, and also Symphonies of Destruction comes from a little band called A Perfect Circle. But before we get to all of that, how have you both been? Barney! We interrupt each other. No, I'll tell you what, we need to make cue cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> tell you what, though, actually, all things considered, things have been pretty good. Obviously, with the st- I think with the um, the stay-at-home mandate being lifted, so we're allowed to go outside and see friends and have a few tinnies in the park, that's lifted my mood somewhat. Uh, so even though it's been the same old routine, the, th- the fact that things have been going in the right direction has put me in a, a bit of a good mood. So I've been I've been doing quite well, actually. Ah, good to hear, buddy. And Christoph, how you been oh, doing, man? I've had a shit cunt of a fucking week, but <laughs> like I got a bottle of wine and I got bollocks to chat with you two. So let's face it, this week has been saved. How about yeah. you, Stevie Kins? It's been good, man. I uh, I actually saw my missus for the first time in six months. Woo! So uh, yesterday, so I, I drove up and drove back. It was nice. It was a lovely day. We kind of did Christmas in April, which was. Uh, which was an experience. You know, I, I turned up at like nine p.m., nine, 9 a.m. Uh, in their garden, and um, I sat down, and it was absolutely fucking freezing. And like, what was weird, right? So I sat down in in like their back garden on like this uh, garden chair, and I heard like this uh, this sort of springy noise in the background. I was like, what the fuck is that noise, Emma? And she said. Oh, it's just some guy a few houses down in his back garden. Well, what's he doing? Is he like fucking a mattress in his back garden? Like, no, he's on a he's got he's bought himself a trampoline. So you're telling me so there's like an adult man that's bouncing up and down on a trampoline at nine o'clock in the morning. It's like, yeah. Like and she was like completely it was like a normal thing. And I was like, have I been that disconnected from society for so long that like the idea of like a man in his forties jumping up and down on a trampoline at nine o'clock in the morning is some kind of uh, sensible thing to do? But apparently I was wrong. Apparently that is a completely normal thing. I mean, it's not something I would do at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't know about you guys. Nine but... nine a.m. I'm still asleep, mate. Oh, mate! If I had room in my garden for a fucking trampoline, I'd be doing backflips. I'd be breaking my neck. Like, Your all of it. would be deadly for a trampoline because you've got like a free level thing that goes up a hill, right? Yeah, so... this is it. You bounce too far, you're fucking falling like 30 foot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, man. Fuck that. I think I'd rather just jump off a cliff and be on a trampoline in your back garden. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's been an all right week. It's been a good week reconversing with society once again. But anyways, we should probably crack on with the show. So there's no other place to start really than the news. So I'll go to Barnaby first off. So have you got much in the news this week, mate? Ooh, oh boy, oh boy. I've got some pretty juicy stories, not going to lie. Okay. Cool. Um, I'm going to start with this one. How much do you guys think it would take for Queens of the Stone Age to sell out? 
sell out as in like a, uh, like do anything for money basically do anything for a stupid five hundred thousand dollars one million yen and a really decent pitch from a tap commercial company well, that's not that's Molly crew, mate. That's a, that's a pretty good guess. I mean, knowing like Josh Josh Homs like divorce proceedings towards Brody Dale, I'd assume that you know she's probably taken quite a large bite out of his uh, his salary. Yeah. So maybe well, quite the, a lot. Yeah. Well, the correct answer is no one knows, but apparently they have turned down quite a large amount of a life changing money for a private gig, which I will now explain. You're such a so, scumbag. But I just want to jump in, Barnaby. I like how he goes. No one knows. Like it's not a pun. <laughs> I didn't on, even realize I did that until you pointed that out. <laughs> okay. Well, the story is that um Josh Homme, obviously a Queens of the Stone Age and the whole band, got offered to do a gig for a private family. It was in a Middle Eastern country. He doesn't say which one, so it could have been either Bahrain or Dubai or Abu Dhabi or even Saudi Arabia itself. And they got offered a stupid amount of money and he turned it down because of the human rights violations and the business practices of said family. And I'm not going to lie. I think Josh Homme might have just become my favorite human in the whole world for doing that. It was something like a stupid amount of money. And he went, nope, I'm not going to do it. And they kept trying to talk him into it. Like, okay, we'll give you this much. We'll fly you out there and everything. He's like, nope, still not going to do it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Curious in that case, how much... He got paid to get kidnapped by the trailer park boys because yeah. <laughs> it's going to be nowhere near as much as a uh, yeah. as a Saudi family. But yeah. I think the thing which respects do the most is he does say that okay, if they kept going up and up and up, he would have caved. Which, to be honest, like any band would have done eventually. But it's nice to see that Josh Homme has got morals where he's like, no, I don't really believe what you're standing for. When you look at the human rights violations of the Middle Eastern countries in particular, it's nice to see that someone's gone. No, I don't care how much money you're going to offer me. I'm not taking it. Like, so mm. kudos to Josh Homme for doing that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Fair play to the dude. Yeah. Is that the wine you're drinking, Christoph? Just to go off topic for a little bit. Yeah, man. Drinking fucking wine for a change. Yeah. Marks. I got Marks and Spencer's wine. I got brand oh, name Disserano. Not oh, none of this fucking push. off brand shit. Like, dude, I'm pissed. Yeah. To go off on a topic that takes me back to the time that Stephen's missus fed us fucking wine out of a fucking carton at the first mm. bloodstock we ever met at. It's like, there's that, and then there's just a nice wine from Marks and Spencer's. Oh, mate, I, I'll tell you what, I can go, I can go either way. Like, Give me yeah. a bit of fucking cunty manor in a five litre bag for like seven <laughs> quid. Give me a bit of fucking Marks and Spencer's round and juicy. Like, I'm on it. Yeah, it's good to experience both sides of the coin. I'm not going to lie. All right, so that's all that story. Yeah. A wine connoisseur, really. Like, there, there's one brand of wine that I really like, uh, and the only distinguishable thing I, I can I don't even I don't even know the name of it, but I know it's got like a pussy cat on the bottle. And uh, I don't and even know which one that is. It's got like a cat wearing a top hat on it, and uh, I always see it in Morrison's, and I just think, right, well, I know that I like that, so that's the only wine I'm ever going to get because I know that I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Barney, as you were, mate. No, that's all good. Um, so, right, moving on to the next story. We all know that bands don't particularly like to talk about their in-band drama, you know, like if there's feuds behind the scenes and so forth. Well, apparently. Um, System of a Down have come to the conclusion that there's always going to be drama, so they really don't give that much of a fuck about it. Or at least this is the opinion of uh, Serge Tankinon, who uh, said in an interview with Metal Sucks, there will always be drama in System of a Down. And yeah. he's gone out of him to say, like, look, there's always going to be drama, we're always going to argue about stuff, there's always going to be this and this and that, but we still managed to achieve great things. Like, I mean, he goes on to say, like, oh, we released two new songs in the 
two new songs, which was the first material in the past 15 years, as we know, was genocidal humanoids and protect the land. But you can't help but think, like, uh, maybe a lot of this drama could have been avoided, so to speak. And that also, they're willing to put aside the drama, I guess, because they're in it for the money, which is why they still do slots, like download and so forth. Mm. Um, but kudos to him for being honest, I guess. Yeah, you are always going to have drama in the bands. No band's completely drama-free. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, um, in many ways, uh, you can look at System of a Down and, and the relationship between all the members and... And you obviously you know that they're they're completely different individuals with their own beliefs. You know? Oh, then yeah. Look at anything the drummer has said politically versus what Serge has said politically. They're completely yeah. different sides of the coin. Yeah, and um, it's kind of you look at all of their different views on many things, and you kind of assume that well, yeah, no wonder they've not been really able to record any kind of material in quite some time if if that's kind of getting in the way of it. But sometimes, like, there are bigger things, like, bigger than them and their beliefs that do rear their heads. Like, this whole uh, Armenia thing that um, that they decided to, you know, come out of this whole... I think they all collectively agreed that, well, this whole thing that's happening to our home country is bigger than us as individuals. So let's put all that shit to one side for a second and, and you know, and do something... <laughs> that's ultimately going to benefit something that, uh, that, that that needs to be addressed, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. I give them kudos for that as well. Like, I do respect that, especially considering Genocidal, Genocidal Humanoids was a killer track. Yeah, yeah. Protect the Land was also good, but um, I think Gem- Gen- Genocidal Humanoids was like the one song that, that kind of really resonated and, and sort of made people excited for system of a down again i think to sort of well they can they clearly they can still do it basically (laughs) they're they're still capable of greatness exactly Uh, yeah 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 did you listen to the new system tracks christoph yeah i did i really really liked it i also made some time for serge's new ep um Oh, he's got a new piece yeah Yeah. it's yeah yeah. it's yeah it's it's like the perfect balance of everything you'd expect from him. You know, there's some seriousness, mm-hmm. there's some politicalness, there's a scatty song, there's a really nice song about his daughter, and that's it. Like, yeah. And, yeah. like considering, you know, you're like, wow, you fitted everything that you want into five, six tracks. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. Yeah. Well worth yeah. checking out. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's crazy how I've actually started to check out more of like the side projects of uh, members of the system of Dan. Like, I've been recently getting into Scars on Broadway. Fucking oh, hell, dude, that's a killer, Scars that's a killer fucking, Yeah, their last album, Darren said that like a lot of the music for the last Scars album was written realistically for system, but he was like, so fucking good. We can't sort out our shit. I want to put it somewhere. Like, yeah, well, I was, yeah, scars doing are that. I was like, well, rant. if we're not going to use this for system because of all the drama that's been happening, fuck it, I might as well use it for myself. I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah, Scars and Broadway are fucking awesome. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get to see them someday when things get back to more towards a certain resemblance of normal. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. man. I've uh, got, I've got, oh, I've got sorry, one Steve. bit. I'll do this bit and then you we can go back to you, Barney, okay, because right. I, I yeah. do feel guilty us like basically shoving all this news and like you, it's your responsibility. Whereas this is a oh, you know I take you know I take pride in being the anchor man on this show, Stephen. Yeah, the wanker okay. man. The wanker man. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I came across something that I wanted to bring up. So, ooh, go on. There's been a um, recently like 
I mean, you guys are aware of the 27 Club, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Janice Joplin. Uh, yeah, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Amy Lane, Winehouse. Was yeah. Lane Staley also? Uh, Did he call into he us? He might have been. I want to say yes, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. It's but terrible. I have I'm a feeling massive, he might be. Like, I'm a massive Alice in Chains fan. Yeah. Flan? Flan. You're my biggest yeah. fan. I feel like Stephen and I might be somebody if you'd have gone and looked at Nirvana and gone, nah, Alice in Chains is so much better. Yeah, enough. I mean, oh, that makes three of us. I've always felt I... like I've been the old one out like Nirvana, no, you can't compare the two, I'm afraid. I like Nirvana, but I never loved them, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat as you and that, Christoph. They've just never really been the best one of the Seattle bands for me. Like, even, like, fucking hell, I'll, I'll, I would rate... Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Alice in Chains much, much, much higher than Nirvana. Even like Temple of the Dog as well. Oh, I can't agree with that, I'm afraid. Like Nirvana were like the perfect gateway band for me. Like, if it weren't for Nirvana, I wouldn't have got into metal. That's the way I look uh, at that's, it. That's true. I'll give you uh, that. Oh. Nirvana hold quite a uh, sentimental place for me. What are you going to say, mate? I was going to say Lane was 34. He was, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, like, oh, I just had a look, so he wasn't part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, still too yeah. young. Still too young. <laughs> The reason for my bringing it up was because I came across this thing recently um, where <laughs> there's there's essentially this project. It's like an ongoing project that I think is going to turn into an album eventually. It's called it's essentially it's called uh, Lost Lost Tapes of the 27 Club, which essentially features songs written um, mostly by like machines so you know that you, if you ever go onto like YouTube or whatever, you can look at these like computer systems that can take bits and pieces pieces of like a discography of a band, and they can generate like a brand new song technically from all of like their discography, like take yep. bits from different songs, and it you know it makes a difference. So recently there was a uh, there was like a Kurt Cobain mashup that they did where that they took bits of different Nirvana songs and they've effectively effectively labeled it as being a brand new Nirvana song. Uh, I believe they're calling it Drowned in the Sun. I've not listened to it, but it's getting quite a bit of attention just purely because uh, people are considering it to be like, this is great. This is like Kurt Cobain recorded like one last amazing song before like he passed away and, and all this stuff. And it was just like, it got me thinking about this whole idea of like, technology having like some form of just some form of like taking all of this discography by bands and somehow implementing it into you know brand new music from bands that have clearly not released material in quite a while and in many ways i i thought that there's quite a few ways you can look at this because yeah sometimes like this very robotic machine-esque systems that like produce these you know quote unquote new songs they can sound pretty good sometimes i'm not gonna lie like that there, there are some like there are some things if they're produced by the right person they can sound pretty good regardless if it's actually got any kind of artistic integrity because you know it's coming from like a robot technically rather than like you know an artist sitting mm. down and writing a song but you can also look at it in many ways i mean the whole like 27 club it's kind of in many ways you're kind of glorifying some tragic shit you know like it's a 27 club for a reason because these are just very very artistic individuals that have gone before their time you know 
and the fact that you're call, you're labeling it as a club like it's like glorifying the fact that these people uh are still great but they're not with us i understand that but in many ways like can you really suggest that you know a club of people that have killed themselves before their time is is something to celebrate when really it's quite a yeah. sad thing to celebrate yeah, yeah I agree. I, I, I've always kind of been a bit on a fence of calling it a club because it's not something that I think, especially now when like, you know, mental health is quite a hot topic in terms of people being locked up and, you know, not not <laughs> having quite horrible feelings and having the depression that comes with it. You know, it's just like, yeah, let's let's glorify something that signifies, you know, taking your own life, which which I think is a bit wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but anyways, like, I I just thought it was interesting that moving forward that you can kind of look at technology and the way that technology can kind of build these brand new songs as being, like, new material from an artist. And I didn't know how you guys felt about it, because for me, it kind of, it's... If I'm ever going to listen to Nirvana, I don't need to listen to a robot making new music by them. I can just go back to Nevermind. I can just go back to Bleach. You know, I can listen to like, there's a reason why the bands were as infamous as they were is because they wrote incredible records. Exactly. I don't, I don't need a machine to convince me. I can just go back and listen to, you know, yeah. those albums. How do you guys feel about these kind of like robots making new I... music for them? I think, to be honest, I'm in the exactly same camp as you, mate. That's like if they decided to do the same thing to, like, Pantera or Dio, for instance. It'd just be wrong. It's like, there's nothing wrong with, like, accepting, okay, they're gone forever, but their music is always going to live on. It's like, yeah. why would I want to try and hear, like, new rendered Pantera tracks made together with a fucking computer when I could just go back and listen to Far Beyond Driven a Vulgar Display of Power? I know it's a different yeah. genre of music to grunge, but the sentiment is still the same. No, it applies to any genre, you know, yeah, regardless. So I'm, I'm 100% in your camp, mate. And yeah, it's the glorifying the whole, like, oh, the 27 Club is like, dude, some of these people died in really horrific circumstances. Like, when you look yeah. at how Amy Winehouse died, that's not to be glorified, man. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you. Because, I mean, there's one side where, like, you know, like, take Static X, for example. They found a load of isolated vocals of stuff that Wayne had recorded and they made new music with it. That's fucking dope. That's cool yeah. because it was there, it existed. I'm, Wayne had... Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, he had written that stuff, you know? Well, yeah. There's that authenticity. So for them to make a tribute, they wanted the fans to listen to it. They wanted everyone to get one last piece of him. That's one side. But when you get a robot to take a load of words that you've said, rearrange them and go, here's a new fucking song. And I'm actually quite surprised that like Dave Grohl and that lot didn't say, you know, yeah. Dude, fuck yeah. you. Like with it, especially Dave with like their standings. Yeah. I know Amy's dad was a bit of a dick, so I could imagine that kind of flying. I'm surprised, but... surprised Courtney Love hasn't said anything on that regard, considering she likes to have her opinion on voiced on pretty much everything. Not that there's yeah. a wrong in this case, but I am surprised. But yeah, I think it's morally kind of fucked to literally dig mm. up the dead for mm. money. Yeah. Like, you know, if they didn't record it and they had no intention and they've been non-recording for like 10, 20 yeah. years, then yeah, yeah it shouldn't yeah, exactly. be. Yeah, I do agree with you, Christoph, especially is that the Static X stuff, the members are still going to perform the instrumental tracks on that. And I mean, you guys both went to see Static X on tour, didn't you, when they had the guy from Dope being a frontman? Yeah. Uh, did they perform any of these new tracks at all, or was it mostly just the favourites? 
it was it, the, the, that tour where they were just playing uh, Wisconsin Death Trip in its entirety, and then they oh, okay. dropped, they they dropped in like a load of like hits from other records. They didn't play any of like the the stuff from like the new stuff that they had. Ah, uh, you know. okay. I mean, they're still putting. I mean, as as Crystal said, the difference is there's still going to be a soul behind it. And that stuff was recorded and just left there. And then now the band members have discovered it and gone home. We, we can make something good out of this. There's a homage yeah. to Wayne Stack, obviously. The thing is, they've done that with Kurt Cobain. Like Kurt Cobain had recorded all of this like acoustic demos for all this stuff that went on to be on like you know, Nevermind and Utro. You know, anything that he had done like these recordings, they they've been released. You know, I've got a box set. It's called With the Lights Out. Essentially, is is yeah. it's basically it's all of the Kurt Cobain demos that went on to be the songs off of these incredible records. And uh, I just feel that, well, is it really necessary to have like a robot, like brandishing, like it is being a brand new Nirvana track when it's yeah. not, you're basically just like trying to sell something. Uh, when it's, I just feel that it's just so like, it makes me feel a bit kind of dirty listening to that kind of stuff. Cause you feel like, well, they're making money off like a technology brandishing something as like an artist has written when not, it's not, it's, it's not like Kurt Cobain sat down and, and wrote music to one day be like, you know, Oh, well, one day, like some cunt on pro tools is going to cut bits and pieces out of this and then make a single and make loads of money off of it. You know, I just I just feel the whole thing kind of like feels just like wrong. Uh, and, then, and then there's the whole glorification of it being like the 27 Club and, and these people, you know, there's different ways you can look at it. For me personally, I mean, as I said, you know, it, it does just feel a bit kind of like you're glorifying these tragic incidents for musicians that have gone before their time. And I get that you you want to celebrate the music they made before they had sadly passed away. But if you're going to do that, listen to the music they made, not don't listen to the music that a fucking computer's made. Absolutely, you know? man. Yeah. Uh, I think I feel very similarly as well about like, sublime. Like, mm, yeah. I don't know if you know much about them. They yeah. obviously Bradley was, passed away. He yeah. was just over 20, just past 28. Um, yeah. And they replaced him. But then they've they've basically that the whole band is the only original member. I think it might not even be that now was the drummer last I checked. And they're still putting out music and they tour and they basically they're a really shit sublime tribute act. And even after Bradley's family were like, look, just change your name. Please don't drag yeah. it through the mud. And they're like, no, we're just going to defecate it. And I, yeah, it's horrible to see that these people will just do anything to exploit a name. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about, about the, the that's how I feel about the Dio hologram in the way. Oh god. I mean, holograms are a completely different kettle of fish. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the sentiment is still the same as dragging on something which doesn't need to be dragged on. Uh, yeah. I mean, effectively, it's it's about money. Really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's, I could go the, on and on. The about whole this, source but... of it is money. It's about making money. Absolutely. Often. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about this stuff, but I think we've pretty much boiled down our opinions on this quite. <laughs> appropriately yeah exactly uh have you got anything else on the news barnaby i've got one bit of very good news if you're a melodic death metal or more specifically an at the gates fan Stephen, would you say you like at the gates i love at the gates how about I you christoph hell yeah they're bringing out a new album this july 
And this is also why I've been in such a good mood this week. I saw this news on Monday and I was like, I'm going to keep this a lid on this until the podcast. Uh, I was just so excited. The new album is going to be called The Nightmare of Being. And it's going to be the first album since the band's last one to drink from the night itself. itself, And it is apparently out on July the 2nd. I can't remember what label it's on. I might have to look that up. It's recorded in Sweden, uh, mostly with a really critically acclaimed producer, um, Jens Borgren, at st- his studio, Studio Grundal. And he's worked on, like, I'm on the Mars, Creator, Opeth, stuff like that. Guitars and bass have been recorded with Andy, Le- Andy LaCroc, who did a solo on Cold on Slaughter of the Soul. And Sonic Train Studios, and then Per Stolberg then did the rest. Um, but more specifically, I'm fucking excited at the gates. I absolutely love these guys. Seeing them live at Bloodstock 2018, Slaughter of the Souls, one of my favorite death metal records of all time. I can't say enough good things about these guys. I, I'm fucking excited. Fuck yeah. I, I love at the gates. I thought that their last record to drink from, to drink from the night itself was really strong as well. Oh yeah, dude! Like their past two records since they've reunited, like both "To Drink from the Night" itself and "War at Reality" at War with Reality, have been fucking solid. Like, talk about a comeback! Yeah, song. it's fucking awesome. I'm so happy that that band is continuing to churn out just yeah, classic exactly. fucking albums. And, still. Yeah, and the best thing as well, thanks to At the Gates, I discovered another Swedish band called The Haunted. Never heard of The Haunted before. I didn't get into The Haunted until 2019 when uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, Ola Englund, joined the band as a guitarist. And I found The Haunted through him. Like, he's a fucking wholesome human being, Ola Englund. I found The Haunted and I discovered that, obviously, Anders and Adrian, the guys who play drums and bass for Advocates, they also do the same roles in The Haunted as well. So I was like, fuck yeah, man. Haunted, they, I mean, they, they're a band that have been around for years. Yeah, well, which like, era of vocalist do you prefer, Steven? Do you prefer Petter Dolvig or Marco Aro? Uh, Petter, I, I, I fucking, I, I enjoy it. Like, I mean, I, the thing, I, I like both versions, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, the, the Haunted in particular is just one of those like vintage bands, like, because there's a long gap between them being broken up and like reforming. Yeah. And it was one of those ones where like, as soon as they reformed, I sort of like, oh yeah, the haunted. Like, let me, you know, let me let me go back because I remember enjoying them. And then like, you go back to their discography, and you're like, holy fuck! Like, how could I have forgotten a band this good? Hopefully, the haunted do new shit as well. But until then, we have new at the gates album, the nightmare of being out, second of July. Fuck yeah, decent, cool. All right. Well, has anybody got any else for uh, news, or is that? Uh... Uh... I'm all good if you guys have got anything juicy. Uh, I got You're good. Let's dive into this shit. Okay, so uh, the first record we're going to be looking at comes from a band called The Drowned God, a metal band from Philadelphia who uh, very much tread the line between black metal and hardcore. This is their third record named A Pale Home, or just Pale Home. Uh, it's following up their 2019 release, I'll Never Be the Same. So... For me personally, this is a first time occurrence. Um, what about you guys? I mean, did you guys have any previous with this band, or was this uh, was this a first time thing for you guys too? I think I'm in the same boat as you, pretty much. First time for me as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, same. I discovered them at the start of the week. Again, it was like a suggestion, and I was like, "Oh, dude, where the fuck have these guys been all my life?" Yeah. Right. So, spoiler alert: this is fucking incredible. This. Um, so. I mean, it, 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 it's a cathartic album, this, I feel. You know, it's just one of those albums that just really, once again, using a cliche term, but does really take you on a journey. 
at times it, it's got these like very emotionally charged melodies but it's all kind of wrapped up and entangled into this like punishing black metal aesthetic uh blast beats and bleak riffs it just sounds monstrous monstrous this thing i mean christoph what did you feel like what and what did you think discovering this band and going into the record as a whole I thought it was fucking dope. Like the fact that it starts off, it doesn't like a lot of bands that we've heard recently have had like an intro song that eases you into it. This like starts with blackmail, you know, yeah. it just fucking doesn't fuck around, doesn't waste time doing anything, just straight into it. And then it drops into like these hardcore sort of punky things. And it's yeah. so great. It's not overproduced. So it's all sparkly and clean and, stuff it's just like authentic it's great it's got all sorts of stuff like the like a song and it was weeping um mm. it kind of has like these outro lyrics that at first when i was listening to them like the lyrics themselves I was like dude the words are so black metal but you're saying them so calmly yeah and i kind of felt a bit bummed but then as it went on I was like, oh, it's getting harsher and harsher. With every, like, repetition of it, it got more growly. And, like, it really built it up. And I liked the fact that they could build, they could ebb and flow amazingly. Yeah. They had, what was the song that they had that was, like, nearly 10 minutes long? That was You Remain Silent, I want to say. They Remain Silent. You Remain Silent. You Remain Silent. Yeah. And it's, again, it's, like, such a, like fluid sort of song that goes you know uses that classical music sort of formation to build atmosphere it's just fucking so good it doesn't feel like 10 minutes it doesn't feel like one song like you're kind of like oh what was that last song oh wait hang on we're in the middle of a nine minute long song like this is fucking great yeah and also that song like strikes you because you have black metal songs you have calm black metal like the atmospheric stuff you have some hardcore and then on that song you get like these groove metal sort of notes yeah it's just oh man it's such a fucking lovely album but it just stays fresh and it's just so good and again something that when it's over you're like ah oh, you wound it down perfectly may mm-hmm. as well go back to track one fucking right like i've listened yeah. to this album this and the brand of sacrifice album just like they just don't go away from my playlists at the minute they're great yeah yeah and, and what about you, Barnaby? What did you reckon of this when you uh, when you stuck it on? Yeah, uh, no, no, it just really didn't do much for me to be honest. But I think this type oh, of music. Oh shit! No, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> well, See, now you need all sound effects. I always like make people think that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm going to clarify what I mean now. Okay. This genre of music as a whole has never really done it for me, just because it's not bad. I don't think it's bad at all, but it just doesn't really float my boat. And like I think this metal one... or hardcore or like weird fusion. I think like the weird fusion bit. I mean, as a whole, I mean, um, there's only a few black metal bands I actually really actually like, but that's a topic for another day. But as a whole, this just didn't really float my boat at all. But it's not to say it was bad. The production was good. And some of the tracks were called like Buried in a Room. I dug that. That was a lot of good elements in that I liked. And also Without Ceremony and Near Spanish Lake. So definitely had its highlights. But as a whole, this has never really been my cup of tea to begin with. And that's okay because my taste is different. But it doesn't mean it's bad at all. And I completely see why people like this. Well, you say it's another conversation for another day. But I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, like in terms of the black metal that you're into, I mean, are there any artists in particular that you can pull out of a hat and say that, yeah, I like this? Or is oh, that... Behemoth. Behemoth, easily. 
behemoth. Okay. I, well, my I, issue has always been with black metal is like the elitism and like the true cult thing and the fact that most black metal from the 90s sounds like it was recorded in a fucking toaster. Yeah, <laughs> but there's more like thing is black metal's got so much diversity now. Yeah. Like, yeah atmospheric um, black metal is probably my favorite yeah, subgenre yeah. of music. And like to be honest, I will agree with that now. Going back a few episodes when we reviewed Tribulations album, that was fucking incredible. Mm. Yeah, and that was like, yeah, yeah, you are absolutely right. So that has opened my eyes a little bit more, but I just wish more black metal bands did stuff like that, or at least opened their eyes mm. and not the back of bandmate skulls in a flat in Norway in 1940, 1994, whenever it was that Vardy <laughs> broke You should totally check out that Mare Cognitum, though. If you don't really like black metal, that'll fucking, they'll draw you the fuck in. Yeah. He'll draw you the fuck in. I'll give it a listen, yeah. It's just the production side and the elitist side of it, which has always been good. But yeah. I mean... There has been bands like um, some of Demon Borgia's early stuff, like Death Call Armageddon. I dug that. It was one of the first black metal records I listened to. And as I said, Behemoth, I'll always be a fan of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when it comes to black metal, I mean, it's 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 one of those genres of music where it's like it can be defined in so many different ways. Like in many ways, you can kind of look at black metal as like corpse paint and aesthetically like, you know, worshipping Satan and all of this kind of shit. But yeah. Black metal, for me, and in, in all intents and purposes, black metal is kind of like a feeling that music gives you, you know. So you, you'll listen to, like, a drawn-out riff or you'll listen to something like blast beats and, and you put those two together. And it kind of gives you this kind of... Uh, this feeling, essentially, like this very kind of bleak, like... It's, it's it's really difficult to kind of put into words to be perfectly honest with you it, it's like black metal for me at least anyway just kind of gives me this very very kind of cathartic feeling of this this sense of like drowning in noise but you kind of feel like once it's over you've got so much out of it if that makes any sense yeah. to you guys um yeah i understand where you're coming yeah, from. yeah it, it's just like um I mean, this band in particular, um, I mean, I think that the singer, I believe his name to be Cody Golab, or Golob, sorry. Uh, apologies if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Um, but he has like this very painfully strained tone to his voice, which I think just like pierces through this amazing atmospheric landscape that the band, that the band creates. Like, I, I tell you what this did remind me of. Uh, I don't know if either of you have heard of a band called Rolo Tomasi. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I oh, dude. Yeah. yeah, now... I do, like, I do like a good bit of Rolo Tomasi. See, the thing is with Rolo Tomasi is, like, th th they have a very similar vibe creatively. Uh, I think that the difference is, though, is that where Rolo Tomasi lean towards the more sort of somber, poppy end of things, this band are kind of more ingrained in that very kind of, like, dark, bleak black metal... Whereas, like, to Rolo Tomasi, they'll do, like, a poppy thing, and then all of a sudden, like, it will go to, like, this crazy black metal thing of blast beats and, like, like fucking screaming white hot shit. And that's kind of, like, the vibe that I get from this band. It's kind of like an American version of Rolo Tomasi. Um, and uh, instrumental-wise, too, you know, it's got, like, this... It's really creative, and, and there are these subtle things that you that you really don't pick up on um from a first listen but the more that you listen to this record you start to uncover like 
a lot more shit going on. There's a song on this called Near Spanish Lake. Uh, now, there's also a part in this song where the bass just essentially the, the bass just gets louder. I want to say about a quarter of the way through the song and it just makes it so much more intense. So it's essentially just a conscious decision to have the bass quite low in the mix. And then a quarter of the way through, they just turn that bass up and it just draws you in so much. And it's just like, it, it, it's, it's just a really forward thinking, intense, cathartic fucking record this, you know, it, it essentially, it's, um, it, it's just got this way of getting its hooks into you, which I feel that a lot of black metal, like Barney said earlier on, like there's this whole, I don't even want to call it a misconception because it is a fact that there are these like black metal bands that are essentially, if it doesn't sound like it's been recorded inside a bull sack, that's also been inserted into like some kind of like post box and then recorded. And <laughs> if it doesn't sound that way, then a lot of people are going to yeah. dismiss it. I mean, the elitism uh, got so bad in Norway amongst the black metal community that black metal bands from Norway hated the black metal bands from Sweden, even though they sounded pretty much exactly the fucking same. That's how yeah. bad the elitism got. It's almost a contest to see like how many churches one group could burn. Now it's like, oh, you only burnt down five <laughs> churches last week? fucking posers yeah i mean there's like this sense of entitlement when it comes to this style of music and uh by by any means necessary i mean i i I honestly don't think that um the drowned god and the members within that band give any kind of shits in regards to that whole like drama that comes with the genre they they shouldn't either Um, i do no not 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 at all and um as I said, regardless of the level that this band goes to in terms of the black metal on it, uh, as I said, like, you know, <laughs> make no mistake. I mean, from a hardcore music point of view, they've got these very kind of like self-empowering, very kind of uplifting m- melodies to it, you know, and uh, I, I've i really enjoyed this. The fact that like Christoph just popped it in the chat one day, like only a couple of days ago, and I'd never heard of it up to this point, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like you put it great, Christoph. Like where has this band been all my life? Because like, I really, really fucking dug it, and I've only lived with this album for a couple of days now, and uh, you know, uh, it's one of those ones where I just want to keep listening to it and just like forming more and more of like a connection to it. Yeah, it's and it's the same as like that brand of sacrifice album is that like the more you listen to it and especially like albums like this you want to listen to with your headphones in. Yeah. yeah. But the more you listen to it because the first time you listen, you're like, fuck, that's intense. And then once you kind of get acclimatized to it and you listen, you're like, Oh, I never noticed this part. Or like there's like subtle bits and subtle riffs and things going on that you're just like, Oh, okay. And it just keeps it fresh because you can listen to it five or six times and be like, well, I picked out these like new little sections every fucking time. And it kind of makes you like even more excited to listen to it again. Cause you're like, okay, well, what else have I missed? You know, like Mm -hmm. this is fucking great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) when you listen to an album and that immediately makes you want to sort of like go back to the band's back catalog because listen, I mean, I I hold my hands up and say that. I mean, I, I off the back of this, I've yet to check out that back catalogue. But you can rest assured that the minute we stop recording, mm. that's going to be the first thing that I go to. You know, I mean, this band is only their third record. 
and the band themselves i believe they started in 2015 so for it to take six years for a band to get to a record like this i think you know it, it can only be it can only be commended really because i think that there are bands that have been doing this kind of stuff for years now like more than six years and they're still nowhere near the level of good as, as this record is yeah i mean i I, uh, I don't really have much more else to add to the drowned god but did you guys have anything more or is that pretty much no, I think I've summed up. No, that's, yeah, that's me. I've spaffed over that enough oh, until yeah. we go off and then I'll fucking jump back into it again. Hells yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, again, that is the, the Drowned God, their third record, Pale Home, which is out now. Okay, so get ready for five minutes of wanking off. Uh, so the next album we're going to be talking about comes from none other then Debbie, Debbie Bloody Townsend with his uh, brand new release, Acoustically Inclined, recorded back in 2019, uh, just after Devin dropped his latest record, Empath, which I believe is like at least two years ago now, which is crazy. But uh, what did you guys make of Empath? Did you check it out at all? Oh, who am I fucking kidding? I love a bit of Devin Townsend. Yeah. The guy's a god amongst men. Fuck yeah. yeah. He's, yep. he's an incredible human being. I mean, Empath, did you guys, like, uh, listen to it entirely, or did you just check out, like, the like the fucking hits? Like, uh... Uh, I haven't listened to it in its entirety, but I've been a fan of Devin's stuff for quite a while, and then his own stuff, and also back when he was in Strapping Young Lad, I was quite right. a fan of them. So, like, Devin as a whole, and I, I rate him quite highly. And he loves cats as well, so. Surely you would have been, like, ten years old when Strapping were a thing, though, so, like... Yeah, it's yeah, never, but... never too late to check out the classics once I get old enough. Yeah. I was seven when. Like right there when he was. Uh, it's was like the Alkaline seven. album earlier. Oh, you were still a sperm in your daddy's pants. Yeah. No, yeah. I was four and a half. <laughs> As if that fucking like, like, it's... It's like, I was seven when The Impossibility of Reason by Chimera came out, and I still fucking love that album more than anything else. So. Your nickname isn't Black Jesus now, it's called Tech <laughs> Barney. <laughs> Jesus in this guys yeah uh, but before you move on I mean I thought Empath I, I, he, although I said it was two years ago since it was released I'm still I'm still trying to wrap my head around that record because it's just such a fucking trip you know? oh, mate, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you remember me telling you like the fucking first time I tried listening to it Yeah, it was back when I was still smoking weed and I came home and I had my headphones on and it got to, is it Genesis where you've got like yeah. blast beats and cats meowing and orchestra and like it got, to Gen- it got to Genesis and I was like, dude, fuck this man. Like I cannot, like my brain can't handle this album anymore. And I, I had to like, like, like other than an interlude, that's the second song on the record. So fuck me. <laughs> off your face. Well, I mean, imagine <laughs> trying to listen to an album like Empath while you're stoned as fuck. Like, yeah. it's just like, there's so much going on. You're like, oh, it's calm. Oh, wait, there's blast beats. Oh, it's calm. Why is there an orchestra of cats? Jesus fucking Christ, what's going on? And like, you when you see those really bad like skits on fucking TV programs, yeah, when like you smoke some weed and everything's psychedelic and then the world changes, like Empath is the audio equivalent of that. And I was yeah. like, no, I'll come back to this sober. And even sober, you're like, dude, this is man it's, like you are insane. a whole new level of only creature. only imagine what it was like yeah oh it's just yeah it's so fucking good it's, i listened to it actually today and was like yeah it's still just as fucked and intense as 
it was when I first listened to it. Yeah, man. Like, honestly, like, I, 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 even at the time, I really couldn't put into words, like, Empath as a whole. Like, it's one of those things where you've really got to listen to that album and then and then understand why it's kind of hard to use words to articulate how crazy that album is. Um, but anyways, we're not talking about Empath. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about um, an album that he dropped, which was uh, it's quite interesting because this was essentially a live show that Devin did in Leeds, UK, which was, for all intents and purposes, he, he even stated it on the record itself. But um, this was a show that was essentially designed to strip back Devin's material and kind of bring it back to basics just how the music essentially how the music is written in the first place it's just devin with an acoustic guitar and some effects and uh and then that goes on to be you know the stuff that you know we've been banging on about for the last couple of minutes um but yeah th- th- this was a live show that had been done uh, i believe only like a month after empath not even that had been released so uh I mean, majority of the time when when a, an artist drops like a new album, you expect like, what the fuck? What's going on? I went to bring up the album and I went to scroll down and I accidentally started playing a song. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, I, I looked at the camera and Christoph was pointing at his fucking dick and I thought like that noise and is pointing at his dick is am I having like an out of body experience? But uh, <laughs> no, clearly Spotify is to blame for that. It's my superpower. <laughs> uh yeah so um what's my train of thought now so uh in terms of when the live show was recorded it was, it was recorded just after empath had dropped so i, I think th- um he wanted to kind of do this very stripped back set before bringing the full like bells and whistles as it were uh over to our country to do like a you know uh, a whole set with a live band so this was essentially Devin just with an acoustic guitar and a couple of effects pedals just playing quite a varied set list from his his discography from the very early days from albums like Ocean Machine to uh, records such as, you know, fucking Alien from Strapping Young Lad and, and even, you know, stuff from the Devin Townsend project. So it, it kind of goes without saying, but he's got an all right voice, right? Yeah, oh, put it he can hit, yeah. he can hit oh, some insane highs, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Fucking lootly. Uh, I mean, fuck me. Uh, it, it's kind of one of those things where I don't need to tell anybody listening that Devin Townsend has got one of the best voices that's ever been put into an audio format. I think we can all agree that right with that statement. Yeah, hey, man. yeah dude, 100%. sure. Yeah. One of the most incredible ranges as well. Like, Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, we'll, we'll get to it. But um, what, what did you guys think of this material being stripped down? Uh, I'll start with Barnaby. Felt like we should have been at the gig. Yeah. I feel like we, I feel like we fucking missed out, to, to be brutally honest. No, yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think, to be brutally honest, this has gone to show why Devin has not only got a great voice, he is also one of the most underrated showmen in mm-hmm. metal as well. His interaction with the crowd and his stage banter and the way he gets the crowd moved is honestly second to none. 
Yeah. I feel like that is something which often flies under the radar when you think of things. I went straight away with the intro when he was making jokes to the crowd. He was like, oh, give me a sec. I've just got to tune up here. And he's still joking with the crowd as he's doing it. I loved I love it. That. And yeah. I felt like a lot of the material worked stripped back as well. Like even the um, stripped down version of Love, which was originally a strapping young lad song, mm-hmm. it works so well. And I really just can't explain why. He just makes it work absolutely flawlessly. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Christoph? Dude, I dug it. I felt like I was a bit surprised by it being quite so slow at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's what, you know, you should expect this from a acoustic album. But it's Devon Townsend, so like going in with any kind of expectation is the wrong idea. You know, who else can you hear playing an acoustic guitar solo and then start doing growly guttural vocals and you're like okay yep that's that okay great and now here's a love song and you're like all right cool and like his highs and his lows it's just so good his his patois was amazing i fucking absolutely adored him explaining about like the end of strapping young lad that then led into like the ziltoid thing like yeah. i was just walking yeah. through town with like this giant cheshire grin like imagining this dude like oh man i can't go on like this i'm gonna build a little fucking hand puppet and then make an entire concept album about a hand you're like dude i fucking love you you're the best human being yeah. on earth yeah, and like hearing solo hilarious solar winds acoustic was something that i didn't realize i needed in my life yeah uh, it's just the guitar his guitar work as well like yeah it's so good and the fact that you know he's got we say that he's got these effects and for anyone who hasn't listened they're not in your face they're not no. it doesn't it's not that he's replacing a band with these effects like they're tiny background noises and they're really subtle but he creates such a huge sound with an acoustic guitar, his voice, mm-hmm. and literally like very faint background music. You know, even if you took the background music out, he still creates a huge sound with yeah. just a guitar. Yeah, dude's fucking amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but this was this was a hard thing for me to get through emotionally at times. Uh, I mean, there's something about. Devin's voice that just makes me well up and uh you know a song like funeral i had to skip uh you know i i just i just couldn't i couldn't do it because i knew that it was going to be one of those things it was just like i kind of like the way that i would categorize this was kind of like it's an album like a pot of pasta on a stove it's like you feel yourself boiling over and you take yourself off the heat before you feel yourself becoming like a starchy mess of a human being um and i you know <laughs> i i kind of felt like that with a, quite a number of songs throughout this throughout this record it's, it's just like um you know it's just like for me personally you know as much as i love devin townsend as a human being you know I, it's just like it's it's one of those records that if you ever want to kind of have just like a cry i think this is one of those perfect ones to do it you know it's just like when he breaks into, you know, I said it before, songs like Funeral and, and these very, very cathartic songs, it's just, uh, it's just the perfect soundtrack to, you know, to doing that. And there's nothing wrong with having a cry every now and again, you know, fuck it. Like, I, I didn't give a fuck. 
talking to you guys with a fucking beard and like a, a heavy metal t-shirt on i don't give a shit you know mm. there's nothing wrong with crying every now and again exactly and i think especially, that... especially to devon townsend no exactly the songs themselves they just take on a whole new level of like goosebump inducing masterpieces like a song like deadhead just seems like a song that can be done in it can be done incredibly regardless of how it's done whether or not it's you know with a full live band or if it's acoustically if it's done in the style of the wurzels it's going to sound fucking incredible oh, regardless. That'd be, that'd be something to hear yeah mate i mean you know it's such a beautiful song regardless of of how it's done it's going to sound great you know uh as with a lot of devon Townsend's material i think like I mean, barney you mentioned it but a song like love which obviously is you know from strapping and lad it just kind of exposes the inner workings of devon townsend's genius fucking brain where you know absolutely yeah you listen to syl and and you completely understand the rationale for his decision to disband that band you know that brain on drugs fronting an extreme metal band i mean uh, as dr pepper would say what's the worst that could happen you know exactly. so it, <laughs> it only makes sense that that band can't be a thing because someone like devon townsend really can't be put in a box you know he, he's a guy that needs to essentially be his own thing and record whatever he feels like recording yeah. he can't he, he can't just be like a guy that says you record metal metal's the only thing you're allowed to ever do do that because i yeah. think that he would end up fucking being part of that club we were talking about you know not that he's 27 anymore but you know it it, it completely made sense to uh for, for that band to essentially you know not not be a thing but the fact that we're still getting Devin playing those songs i'll never i'll yeah, never take for granted because make no mistake like syl were a fucking incredible band i love oh, strapping it absolutely yeah um Yep, what you saying? Now he's gone on to create songs that have cat orchestras in them, which are also equally <laughs> incredible. Yeah, man, exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, it goes without saying that you listen to Devon Townsend and it's like, it's like, yeah, it's Devon Townsend for fuck's sake. Like, regardless of whatever the guy puts his name to, it's going to be nothing, it's going to be nothing less than like fucking absolutely goosebump enhancing incredible music because i just feel that the guy's incapable of doing anything wrong you know it's just like that guy could do anything he could do an r&b record and i'll be on board because he's just such an incredible musician yeah i mean i <laughs> i said it at the start but you know don't say i didn't warn you it's basically just us wanking off about how great devon townsend is i mean i feel like apart from barney's like not very much thing of uh the drowning god this whole episode is just going to be spaff fest because mm-hmm. uh, next, next the next one and then uh, uh oh yeah we'll, we'll uh we'll get to that i think it's very, all gonna be shortly. good news until april the 16th when we review a certain album which i don't <laughs> want to talk about i think uh well you, you you listeners will find out oh yeah well they probably already know to be honest yeah, it'll be good news it'll we'll be good see. news until then like it's been great with like the recent gojira song we've fucking covered <laughs> um the blackening oh fuck i had to think about that for a second like it's just been nothing but wankery for the past like three episodes at least and it's going to continue yeah. for at least a little longer so i'm enjoying yeah. this yeah man well fuck it well what, you know why the fuck not i mean there's nothing else exactly it's like know? in a world so full of 
shitty things right now, it's important to realize that there's amazing music out there and it's okay to spunk off on it because it might be the only thing keeping you going. Exactly. And if anything is going to keep you going, it's this Devin Townsend release recently, which is, again, acoustically inclined, uh, acoustically inclined. Uh, so do you guys anything else, have anything else to add to Devin's recent release or are you yeah. good with acoustically inclined? I, I think I was. Yeah, I think I'll say I'm very happy. All right. Amazing. Cool. Once again, that is Devin Townsend's acoustic record recorded live in Leeds, suitably named Acoustically Inclined. It's out now. All right. So uh, moving on to the last section of the show, which is the second, the second edition of Symphonies of Destruction, the section of the show where we just essentially grab an incredible record and we spunk over it. Uh, so this record, this the record this week, should I say, is no exception. So we're actually going to be talking about the second studio album by the rock supergroup A Perfect Circle, released on September the 16th, 2003, named 13th Step. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start as I always do. Uh, Barnaby, are you a fan of A Perfect Circle? I'm partial to a good bit of A uh, Perfect Circle, not going to lie. Cool. I mean, can you recall the first time that you would listen to A Perfect Circle? I mean, I've got to be brutally honest. There's been many times I have. I think the first time was when I was um, chatting about Tool with one of my colleagues uh, at work, back when yeah. live events used to be a thing before the world went to shit. Sure. And he was like, oh, have you heard a band of a band called The Perfect Circle? I was like, not really. He's like, oh, it's a super group that Manured is part of. I recommend checking it out. And then I got home and put on this very record we're going to talk about. And I was like, oh, okay. I can definitely see the appeal of this. Yeah. Cool. All right. And uh, I mean, I know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Christoph. Are you uh, are you a fan of a perfect circle? And when was it that you had first discovered them? I'm fucking huge fan of a perfect circle. They are just a whole new breed of animal, and it's the best whole breed of animal. Um, I discovered them like somewhere towards the end of school, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and what's always fucked me off about a perfect circle is like you discover this incredible fucking band who are completely their own creature and so all over the place. And then they're like, we're not going to make any music now. Bye. And, you know, like you just <laughs> yeah. discover this band and you're like, Oh my fucking God. Right. Well now to wait 15 years, 14 years mm. for anything new. And like, yeah, dude, but they're fucking insane. Damn right. Uh, so with the record that we're talking about, once again, 13th step, the band's writing process was very different from the band's first record, uh, Mere Dinoms. So with the first album, the majority of the album had already been written by uh, and recorded by guitarist Billy Haldewell. But before the band had even been assembled, essentially the, everything was, had already been written for everything that you listened to on uh, Mere Dinoms. So they could kind of approach this record with a completely blank canvas, uh, as it were. And in regards to the subject matter, 13th Step, it is a it is a concept album of sorts that uh, deals with the aspects of addiction and the recovery from it. So uh, the album title itself, it's a reference to the 12 step program of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and um, Maynard James Keenan. I'll read a very brief quote that he had given uh, upon the release of the record. So. 
The songs on 13th Step, for the most part, are about the various processes of addiction, behavioural addictions and chemical addictions. And each song is kind of sung from a different perspective. I have a lot of friends who have gone through a lot of these situations. Some of the songs are sung from the perspective of the actual drug, from the perspective of someone who has realised that they have an issue or some form of problem. Uh, also the perspective of someone who realises that if they don't do something, they're going to die. Uh, a song from the perspective of a person who is in denial about a loved one dying right before their eyes. And in the case of The Outsider, it's sung from the perspective of a song who does... Uh, it's sung from the perspective of someone who doesn't understand at all what their friend is going through. So um, with that being said... Uh, you know, you listen to this album. I mean, for me personally, I would I would put Thirteenth Step on, and I think that everyone's big takeaways from this record are songs like Pet and The Outsider, uh, as as obviously Keenan has referenced in his in his statement there. So Barney, I mean, you being somebody who's not as au fait with a perfect circle as you know me, me and Christoph. Am I wrong in saying that songs like Pet and The Outsider were your favourites amongst this record? I think The Outsider was definitely one of my favourites. And that was actually the first one I heard when I went and listened to their discography casually when I got into them. And then the next one was The Nurse Who Loved Me and then Blue. And The Noose is another one that's my favourite as well. So when I first heard this album, it was just in dribs and drabs of like certain tracks, not in any certain order. And I, at the time, I was I didn't know what it was about. So the way you've described the record now has painted a completely different picture to what I was used to before. Yeah, this is it. Because I mean, once you kind of got uh, an idea of the backstory of it, it, it makes so much more sense. I mean, I'll ask Christoph. I mean, initially, obviously, you said that this was a record that you, you kind of coming out of school and, and discovering all these bands and stuff. This that would have been the, a point when a Perfect Circle had release this album so were you immediately connected to this record Christoph, or was it one of those ones where you had to kind of live with it for a bit before you it truly clicked like i really liked the fact that i didn't understand what was going on okay you know like there were bands like perfect circle and like alkaline trio where i didn't understand the intricacies of the writing or the metaphors I didn't know what a concept album was, you know, like at the time. So you just took it as this piece of music that when I grew up, I was like, okay, nice one past self and not like throwing this shit by the wayside. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for the noose. The noose is one of my favorite perfect circles. Oh, dude, that that song is amazing. And blue is just fucking gorgeous. But I, what I love with them is the fact that they're just such an open band. Like they can make whatever the fuck they want. You know, they're not strapped into a box. They can make a concept album that sounds like a hundred different tracks that you can take singly because a lot of concept albums, you listen to a song on its own, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this, you can pick fucking any song out of it. You know, if anything, to a degree, like the nurse who loved me, kind of like you're like, hmm, well, this is a weird interlude, but it's also right at the back of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But exactly. everything else, it just it fits beautifully. Lullabies, yeah. this weird, creepy sort of recap on the per- on the 
previous song pet which mm. is just insanely dark yeah. you know and yeah dude it's they're just they're just fucking they are perfect they're probably not very <laughs> circular but <laughs> he's going for the puns now <laughs> wait hang on i gotta just we need to get it on the soundboard Stephen, for the next episode instead of I my know, shitty right? ass voice doing it i'm like yeah this was the first time i've listened to this album in whole since like moving away from drugs and i'm like oh man i can feel this roller coaster like yeah and it's not set from like the start of recovery to recovery and the fact that you've always got that temptation there. It's like, it's all just scattered around. So like, even as a concept album, it's not like a linear album, but then Maynard did it with that fucking album. That's like that tool album. That's the, uh, supposed to have Uh, the magic ratio where the album isn't actually meant to be played in fucking album order. Yeah. Which Which album was that? Isn't that, I want to say it's Thousand Days. Oh, ten thousand days. I'm not actually sure. To be honest, Stephen, you might know the answer. But yeah, one of one of their albums. It's yeah, like they've put it in album order, but it's actually not meant to be listened to in album order, which is a very Maynard thing to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you consider the fact that a Perfect Circle is super group, so they're made up of members from like the Smashing Pumpkins, and you know various different bands they and did it's kind of, part like, of manson at one point yeah exactly yeah. it's Twiggy. just like maynard yeah yeah exactly yeah M- M- maynard just brings you know that very kind of tool-esque aesthetic to a band i mean how many vocalists can you say i mean out of all the super groups that you can name who have these like you know very very charismatic very kind of popular front men like you name it like fucking Chris Cornell or um, I'm trying to think of fucking supergroups now. Oh, you're thinking uh, Chris Cornell had Audio Slave, didn't he? Well, yeah, Chris Cornell had Audio Slave. You know, it's just like Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog. Oh man, we gotta get that on uh, Symphonies next episode. mm. Temple of the Dog. But it's like you, you, you listen to it and you're like, well, yeah, that's like the singer from this band, or that's like the singer from that band. But you listen to a Perfect Circle, and not only is not only do you have that thing of like, okay, well, yeah, it's Maynard James Keenan from Tool. But he also, with Maynard James Keenan, comes those like very kind of uh, puzzly kind of esque, you know what I mean? Like with Maynard James Keenan, you always get that kind of like, oh well, I'm going to write this record, but I'm not going to do it in a way that you feel that records normally go. Like I'm going to put this song here intentionally, or I'm going to like, you know, he the way that Maynard does things, it's in a, such a different way. Like um, for example tool's latest record fear inoculum whenever you approach a tool record what i love about it is that there's there's so much like in-depth thought that goes into those albums from the very point of like even artwork so for anyone who doesn't know like tool's latest record fear inoculum if you in fact uh reverse the tool logo in on itself it resembles a syringe which uh you know hence the name fear inoculum um and it's just like that's clearly come from the brain of maynard james keenan who thinks he basically is a guy that thinks beyond being just a singer of a band he thinks more beyond that you know he thinks about artwork he thinks about um the lyrical content of things uh yeah the direction 
you know and and it's just like there's not many super groups that you can really name that that go that far creatively uh but a perfect circle having Maynard James Keenan at the helm you know of course it's going to be very kind of intricate and very yeah you know didn't he also like fucking slap a speaker and an audio set inside a cd so that you yeah fucking, you had an audio track with well a visual with every audio track yeah that plays along like who the fuck have you ever heard doing that exactly you know? it's it's just he's, he's just like a guy from the future but it's just like in this millennium or in this century that's like fronting a band you know it's it's crazy uh the yeah. level of, the level of thought and, and the level of artistic uh, integrity that Main, Maynard James Keenan brings to yeah, exactly. any, anything that he does. Yeah. I mean, Persifer, Persifer you know. Oh, dude. Yeah, Persifer I think that's so the thing good. I respect the most about this because Maynard James Keenan could have been like, oh, okay, I've got Tool, I'm set for life. But no, he's decided, like, no, I want to do more. I want to have, like, at least two other supergroups. I want to start my own fucking winery. But I also I think, do way I more think stuff that like... he needs it as well, though. Because, yeah. like, you look at his three separate bands and, like, you got Tool who are very much for like dudes who smoked weed in the 90s you yeah, know exactly. like tool are great do you prefer bass guitar over electric guitar like, yeah dude yeah, yeah. like and like tool are fantastic um but they're like his trippy slow building sort of thing and then you've got a perfect circle which is like this dark brooding perfect i'm gonna probably get a lot of hate for saying this but perfect circle hands down the best maynard project Oh, dude, I'll agree. Um, I agree. And, someone who likes and, then you've, and then you've got Pussifer, and it's like Maynard drank a bottle of his wine, threw on his fucking cowboy hat, and was like, <laughs> I don't have to be serious anymore. I want to write songs about space orgies. Well, and you're like, like, okay, great. Well, didn't he, like, soak his wine on, like, bacon or something like yeah, that? Yeah, dude. He got asked if his wine was vegan-friendly, and when he yeah. found out that it was, he dipped fucking dry-cured bacon in every vat. <laughs> like, what a I prick. swear to God, he's but, the like, kind of guy I'd buy a drink for there. Manyard, if you're ever listening, you are now my lad. I'll buy you a pint for that. Yeah, man. I think my rankings of Maynardness goes Perfect Circle, Pussifer, and then Tool, just because, like... And then there's wine. And then, oh, man, I want some of his wine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even a wide wine wine drinker, and I'll try something out. But it just goes to prove that like, anything Maynard touches turns to gold, and this album is yeah. proof of it. Like, I'm not yeah. even that much of a fan of his stuff as you guys are and even i could sit down and go fuck me this guy's a genius and like not just him the rest of the guys in the band as well yeah Yeah, and each album's different because i mean eat the the elephant is like a lot different and that that spans a lot more concepts and it's fucking great and even at one point there's like a song with like fucking hip-hop vibes Mm. and hip-hop vibes and a ukulele and you're like all right fucking i'm well on board with this shit like dude just Guy could sing over a fucking stale queef and like it would be gold, you know. Yeah, he's a he's a fucking. But the, the real question is, could he make a Weezer album good? Yeah, he could. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the only man alive. It'll take, take a lot of polishing a turd to make. May, it good. Only man alive who could polish a turd. Guarantee. Yeah, we'll have to see if Tool or uh, ever cover OK Human in full. We'll have to see about that. Yeah. I would fucking listen. I mean, I mean, like that's the thing. Like, main on James Keenan, he's just like such a specimen of a human being. Like, they're very rare to come across, but somebody who can literally turn anything into gold, I feel, is just someone like you know, main on James Keenan. He's just yeah. like, 
It's just, I think he's. I think he's done that with this record. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, Christoph said that. I mean, uh, aside from Thirteenth Step, I mean, the band have gone on to. They, they had quite a very long hiatus, and then and then fourteen and you, or fifteen years. Yeah, and then they come out Jesus with uh, an album like Eat the Elephant, which is like. I mean, I don't know if you've heard it, Barnaby, but the Eat the Elephant is essentially, it's not like, it's not necessarily a guitar-driven record. It's more kind of piano and, and synthetic kind of based. I mean, there are guitars in it, but it's just, a, it, once again, it's just an incredible album that that Maynard James Keenan just shines on once again, you know? And um, Yeah, exactly. And picking up on Christoph's point of, as, it, as controversial as it is, and as much as I respect Tool and as much as I appreciate how Tool of this absolute juggernaut of a creative force, um, I think that a perfect circle or 100% more of an immediate band, you don't necessarily, with, with a Tool album, you kind of approach it like, okay, well, it's kind of like reading a book, you know, you, you got to take time to listen to a Tool album and you've got to take time to appreciate like, the, the payoff of listening to a tour record whereas with a lot of stuff you know it's kind of like you can just put it on and immediate it's so immediate you just immediately fall in love with it and i, I feel like a perfect circle is mainly james keenan's attempt of doing something like that of just having something that is immediate and something that you can immediately connect with whereas with tool it takes time um yeah exactly i i was driving home from london last night um and it, it was at a point in the evening when the sun was starting to set and, uh, you know, amazingly, there wasn't any traffic on the M4. Um, no traffic in London. Fucking hell. There, there was no traffic, mate. It was it was fucking it was insane. It was like Christmas. I, I was I was I was so surprised. But, you know, I, I was aware that we were going to be, you know, talking about this album. So I, I stuck it on and um, it, it was the first time I had listened to this record in in a very long time, and uh, like, fuck me, like, was it cathartic? Just, just essentially, just be, being on autopilot, having this record on, whilst enjoying the sunset in the horizon. Yeah, it, it's just like in that scenario. It, it's just it's the most alive I've felt in eleven months, basically. Um, and that's saying a lot considering the situation we've been in but I, get, I mean I understand your well, point this though. is the thing I mean being like so like living within four walls for 11 months and not having any kind of physical engagement with human beings and you yeah. know having a day of like seeing people for the first time in a very long time and yeah exactly and finishing it with the sun going down with this record it, it just mm. felt so fucking yeah fire, absolutely you know? absolutely and yeah it's just it's just a like, even now like when we were talking about a record that was released back in 2003 so fuck me i mean it's what like eight, 18 years fucking old time flies eight, back when I was seven years old that is know how to make a fucker feel old don't you barney but um, i know i do and i love doing it yeah it's just like <laughs> even now you, you put you put this you put this on and it, it could be released in another 10 years time and it would still sound you know just as fucking exciting and just as like engaging and just as current yeah uh, you know so uh 
a perfect circle i mean you, you really really need to listen to this album if you haven't already folks because it's just uh it's just an absolute masterpiece this record uh do you guys also go to when like i got a lot of friends who don't listen to rock or metal or, or alternative music but it's one of those albums when i'm like well i'm not in the mood for pandering to you mm. i want to listen and like it's one of those albums you can put on and they'll always be like oh Who's this band? You know, anything by Perfect Circle. Murder Noms is a bit more on the heavy side, but like mm-hmm. this and Eat the Elephant, you put it on and like it's accessible for everyone. You know, yeah. like it's not overly heavy. It's got beautiful swirl. It's just got, it's just yeah, a gorgeous really fucking album. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, just to close up, I mean, in terms of a Perfect Circle's back catalogue, I mean, I know it's kind of like asking, putting a gun to like it closes people's heads and sort of saying okay who goes who would you say would i mean what would you say is your favorite perfect circle output christoph would you say it'd be this record or eat the elephant or gun to your head it's not eat the elephant um oh man is it this or like it's really hard to choose between this and murder noms yeah it's also like them being so different mm-hmm. as albums go. Like, if I'm in a more of a bad mood, Madonoms is that perfect album. You know, one's dark yeah. and one's light. Like, it's easy with a lot of bands who follow on a linear thing to choose. I just couldn't. <laughs> maybe i'd swing slightly more towards this than murder noms yeah. but then there's like a handful of songs that if i had to delete one or the other i'd probably still have a cry about on either side mm-hmm. but like in a good mood this is the fucking one if i want to just lie down on the grass and listen to something and sink into sound this is the one yeah bad mood then it's yeah it's going to be murder noms and like yeah, uh, there's no right answer with those two, really, is there? Uh, it's very, very difficult. Um, I mean, for me personally, Thirteenth Step is the one for me. I, I think it's just purely because it's like I've got a very kind of uh, sentimental feel. Like, I mean, I, this was the first record I had listened to by a Perfect Circle, and it, despite Medinons being as great as it is, and you know, the, the songs are by all means, just as good on it. Uh, I, I just feel that I've got more of like a kinship with 13th Step, you know, it's just one of those. I mean, like, that being said, I fucking adore Eat the Elephant, even now. Like, I, I put Eat the Elephant on immediately after listening to this, and I thought, well, this is just as fucking good, you know, and who can say that about a lot of bands that release an album, like, 14 years later after they're, like, you know, after them being relevant. Like, uh... Yeah, it's it's so good for what it is, but it doesn't, as great as it is, I think, again, like you said, with having a kinship, like, I've grown through the other two albums. Yeah. And there's just a part of me ingrained in them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they'll never, it's one of those things, scenarios where, like, as good as, like, a band, (laughs) as good as a band material is, you can't ever kind of replicate that sentiment you have for something that comes out initially like you know everyone can everyone can say how great a brand new slipknot album is but it's never going to hold the same place in your heart as like the debut will or like the second record will because it's just like you know 
you've got like the memories that come with those records and you've got like the you know you've got the sentiment so um yeah i mean uh barnaby have you got anything else to add to a perfect circles uh 13th step or are you uh quite satisfied with uh i, I think i'm quite satisfied course, to be honest yeah. I and mean, again as i mentioned i'm more of a casual fan i suppose you got you guys who are more serious listeners but i think this is by far the best i've heard from them yeah oh pardon me I, I, have you checked out uh, Eat the Elephant or have you... Uh, uh, I haven't yet, no, but I think now that you uh, mentioned it, I'm going to go listen to it. Oh, mate, it's a perfect day to whack it on as well. It's just yeah. light enough and it's just, like, dingy enough at the same time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, as I said, I'll appreciate anything Manuel James Keenan does, even his wine, which is meant to piss off vegans. There's one... I'll appreciate anything that guy does. Everything he touches turns to gold, and this has been a true example of that. Strange to think that this was released in the same year that Nickelback released our album The Long Road. Straight to Ew. think that. <laughs> Fuck me. Well, let's not think that, Barnaby. Yeah, I'll try not yeah. to. I'll just start bringing it up for the lulz. <laughs> cool. All right, then. Well, uh, that is once again um, a perfect circle's second record, 13th Step, uh, which is part of our Symphonies of Destruction segment of the show, uh, which also brings to an end the the end of the show uh episode 13 so uh as always we do appreciate you guys listening and uh don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials uh have you guys got anything else to add or before we go or is that uh being fucking lame i've realized it's the 13th step in the 13th app hey look at that motherfucker (laughs) there's a fucking uh there's a thing to note cool all right. Well, uh, again, thank you very, very much for listening, everybody. And we hope you have a very, very good Easter, whether that be uh, celebrating Jesus or eating chocolate, whatever floats your boat. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And we shall catch you guys next week. Bye bye for now, everybody. Goodbye Happy for now. Zombie Jesus Day. <laughs>